Hello and welcome to another episode of the AFW College Podcast, where we love bringing you all the content that will encourage you in your walks with the Lord during your college years. My name is Jordan. Normally, I'm here with college pastor Ben Moss, but today I am joined by a very special guest because we are starting something new uh, here at the AFW College Podcast. It is known far and wide, really to the ends of the earth, that the college students here at AFW College Ministry are the best college students in the world. Uh, you can go to the very edges of civilization and say that you go to Antioch, Fort Worth, and they'll say, hey, isn't that the place with the, col- with the best college students in the world? And you can say yes, because it's true. We have the best students here in the entire world. Well, in our quest to bring you guys new content every week, we are going to be recording testimonies and stories from our students that we think will stir you guys up and produce an even greater faith in Jesus as a result. And we are getting it started this week with our very own Grace Vanderslice. Grace, why don't you say hi to the listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what year are you, where you're from, how long you've been in the college ministry, and then uh, just let us know what your favorite TV show was growing up as a kid. Hello, yes, my name is Grace. I'm a junior finance major with an emphasis in real estate from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Um, And I first got plugged in with Antioch at the beginning of my freshman year. So it's been about two and a half years now. And my favorite TV show growing up was iCarly, for sure. iCarly. Oh yeah. I have a a hunch about iCarly that it really just kind of messed up our whole generation's sense of humor. Because it's just so weird. It was always so weird. And it's just like, hey, now we all laugh at a dude just taking off his shirt and dancing on tables, you know? Yeah, I don't know if messed up is the right word. Maybe <laughs> enhanced, um, made our sense of humor greater, paved a way for even more types of humor. Mm, yeah, really opened some doors. Yeah, it's I all guess. about the perspective. It's about the perspective. Um, all right, so this podcast is going to be super simple. So we gave Grace one question that she will be sharing about. Uh, we just asked Grace, hey, when did Jesus become your treasure? So... Today, Grace is going to tell us a little bit about the events and, uh, and periods in her life where Jesus made himself most known to her uh, and how those have impacted her, which they obviously have. Grace is one of our uh, dearest sisters in the ministry, and uh, we've just seen her, her grow so much. Uh, she's become just a great leader at Life Group and uh, just here at the church. Uh, so we're going to extract all that, all that wisdom and, and all this all the uh, just great encouragement that can come from her story. But without further ado, I'm going to hand it off to Grace so she can just tell us a little bit about how Jesus became her treasure. Yeah, so um, Jesus first became my treasure really a senior year of high school. Um, I was at a really low point then. I tore my ACL, so effectively ending my volleyball career. I didn't get into the college that I wanted to go to, and um, I was really depressed. I was struggling with what my purpose was in life, asking myself questions like, is this really it? Is this all I'm living for? Because I don't I don't want to do this if this is all that this is. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was at a really low point and knew that I couldn't move forward any longer relying only on myself. Um, so I got to this point where for a few days in a row, probably even weeks, it seems like a long time ago, but um, I would just cry on my way home from volleyball practice. I would cry out to the Lord and just like, Lord, help me. Like, Lord, I need you here um, to help me and guide me through the rest of my life. Um, and it's really the time when I truly gave my life to the Lord. I was raised a Christian and um, would call myself a Christian, but my heart wasn't for the Lord. And um, I didn't pursue the Lord 
in the way I lived my life. So yeah, I vowed to pray for three things until I went to college that I would um, get plugged into a church in college that was uplifting and would teach me about the ways of the Holy Spirit and push me towards the Lord, that I would find true friendships that also would push me towards the Lord and that would encourage me and walk this life with me and that I would find my joy again. So I really just prayed for these three, three things throughout the second semester of my senior year and throughout the summer leading into college. Yeah, and uh, spoiler alert, right? Because God answered all of them. He I did, mean, yes. Uh, and he has a way of doing that, right? That's yeah. what he loves to do. And your story is just an example of that. And it's also just an example of how badly God just wants to meet us where we're at um, mm-hmm. in our brokenness and uh, in our despair and, and all those kinds of things. It, he's just so merciful and so kind that way. Um, so, yeah, you talk about those those prayers that you were praying and how they were answered. So why don't you uh, just give us Tell us the story of, of you seeing those answered prayers. How did God do that in your life, Grace? Yeah, so one of the prayers, like I said, was getting plugged into a church. And I really didn't know how I was going to do that or what that was going to look like. I just knew I would I would get settled, I'd get on campus, and then I'd start looking for a church, start going different places Sunday. Mm-hmm. But um, the Lord really kind of put that one in my lap because at Frog Camp, Casa C, right before the year even started, I was put in a small group and my staff member for the small group was the one and only Ben Moss. Um, at the time, I had no idea who he was. I just knew he was some grad student who was supposed to help me in this journey of college for the next week. I'd probably never see him again after these three days of frog camp. Um, but yeah, we were going around a circle at frog camp one day talking about what we wanted to get involved in when we got to TCU. And I was saying stuff like, oh, I'm going to rush a sorority. I want to do some service organizations. I just want to get really involved. And then I was like, yeah, and I really want to get plugged into a church. Kind of left it at that, kept going, next person talked, and there was one other person in the circle who said they wanted to get plugged into a church as well, who um, now is my roommate, one of my roommates, Abby Zuckerman, um, became one of my closest friends, but we were the only two that mentioned church and just kept going on. Um, The next day, I believe it was, we were at a local school doing a service project, and our service project was painting lines onto a parking lot, but uh, it was pouring rain when we were assigned to do that. So it was one of the most counter um, productive service projects I've ever done. <laughs> Painting lines and washing them, watching them wash away as we painted them. Mm. Um, there might be a metaphor. Is there a metaphor there? I mean, maybe there is. Like kind of deep, but I think the God, God could definitely use that. You should pray about that one. You might see that in a sermon. Yeah, from Grace Ben, take notes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we were just painting these lines. Like they definitely just had nothing else to do with us. So that's the only reason we're still doing this. And um, Ben came up to Abby and I and was like, "Hey, uh, tell me more about wanting to get plugged into a church." And I just kind of talked through my story thus far, mm-hmm. um, the little bits of it that I could recognize at that time. And he was like, "Yeah, I go to this church, Antioch." Um, I know a college student who I'm sure would love to kind of talk to you. You should totally come check it out. And he gave me um, Carol Davis's number, who was a junior at the time, mm-hmm. one of the life group leaders, and was like, yeah, just come to church. So I texted Carol. Abby and I went to church the next Sunday, and we sit down for the sermon, and Ben gets on on the stage and is like, hello, everybody, I'm Ben Moss, a college <laughs> pastor. And Abby and I is like, our jaws hit the floor. We were like, wait, what? what? This man did not tell us he was a college Surprise. pastor. He said he just randomly went to this church. <laughs> um, so yeah, from then on, I um, started being discipled by Carol and um, going to a life group and starting to meet people and um, going to church on Sunday. So yeah, the Lord answered that prayer 
very early on in um, my time at college. And that was just huge. Um, having a firm foundation in a church and feeling plugged in and feeling like I belonged somewhere really informed the rest of my time at college and yeah. is continuing to inform it. So the Lord just continued to answer my prayers, my prayer in particular for wanting to be joyful again and to know his joy at the first night of breakthrough of the semester, that semester. Mm-hmm. Night of breakthrough is just a worship night where you just go, you worship God um, and you pray and kind of do whatever you want to do to encounter God. And I had never been to one. Like I said, Carol was like the only person I knew at the church and she couldn't go. Um, So I was basically, I went by myself and didn't know anybody was really intimidated, kind of just standing in a corner by myself, waiting for this thing to start. (laughs) Started late, of course, like like most Antioch (laughs) things do. So I was like, dang it, this thing needs to start already. They're like 15 minutes late. I don't know anybody like, (laughs) you to worship God, not to talk to people. Yeah, basically worship just started. Somebody, after a little bit, got into the front. I think it was one of the college parents at the time, but gave a word about wanting to set, the Lord wanting to set people free that night, especially things that were generational in our lives and things that we wanted freedom from, things that we've been fighting for a long time. And she said, raise your hand if you think that this relates to you if you want prayer for this and my hand just instantly went up before I knew what I was doing there were about three or four people that came around me and started praying for me and I just broke down I mean they started praying and then they were like is there something in particular and I was like yeah I like depression I have been depressed and I want it gone and um yeah they just prayed and prayed and I cried and cried and I really don't remember a single word they said <laughs> but I remember the feeling that I left that night with um I left with uncircumstantial joy um that I knew was from the Lord um yeah yeah it's kind of hard hard to explain that feeling if you haven't experienced it but like i said it has nothing to do with the circumstances around me it had nothing to do with my life it had nothing to do with me at all but it was a pure gift from the lord and i knew that i left different um the next day well that night i called my mom and was just overjoyed talking to my mom like mom i was healed of depression like i just know it it's gone i'm joyful um and the next morning I stopped taking my meds and haven't taken them since. And yeah, through that, I learned that I can have the joy of the Lord and it doesn't depend on what's happening around me. It doesn't depend on me. Um, I've been through some tough stuff since then, but the joy of the Lord really has been my strength. And I've really learned of the fact that joy and sorrow aren't mutually exclusive, that one wasn't shining the other one out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Just the way you put that, like, we'll get into your story a little more that that there's there's real situations in your life that grieved you right where you experienced sorrow and and stress and stuff like that so uh, just about these situations there's there's grief that comes up and there's sorrow but from that night forward from from the moment Jesus met you you know you had the stronger hope and the stronger joy that comes from mm-hmm. the Lord which doesn't mean like that you're not ever going to be sad about about something that happens, you know. Right. Um, but it does mean that you have an eternal treasure, you have an eternal uh, peace in you that is not from the world and and extends past situations uh, that you can always rely on, and that it's it is in Jesus that we find those things. Um, right. So good, so good. Yeah. So so a lot of your story is about your dad, mm-hmm. um, uh, him just dealing with sickness and and things like that, and just the Lord meeting you and, and helping you through that period of your life. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about that and just how Jesus made himself more known to you uh, and answered your prayers and all that kind of stuff through those situations. 
Yeah. So like Jordan said, my dad was diagnosed with cancer uh, the first semester of my freshman year. Um, my parents came into town for parents weekend and they told us, they sat us down, my sister and I, um, at Bar Taco that Saturday, um, and told us, which still was my favorite restaurant, it's closed now, so that's a bummer, but it still never <laughs> ruined the restaurant for me, best tacos. Um, so yeah, they told us beginning of my freshman year and the next day after they told us, we went to church together. And before church, because it was parents weekend, there was a little brunch-ish thing. I think it was just like bagels and coffee in the prayer room kind of situation. Um, We went there before the service and Todd and Jackie were there, two of our college parents. And they kind of just started talking to my family. They talked to my dad. I think Todd talked to my dad um, for a little bit. And I wasn't in the conversation. I don't know what they talked about, but they just kind of talked. And um, after that, we went to church, we went to the service. And at the end of the service during ministry time, uh, my dad went up to get prayer. And immediately when my dad walked up, my mom was like, go follow him. And so all four of us went up, my whole family, to get prayer. And Todd and Jackie ended up praying for my family. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first moment that I had experienced the grief that my heart knew because of my dad's sickness, but also the joy of the Lord at the same exact time. Mm. That prayer kind of changed something in my family. It brought us peace that I didn't know that we could have through it, through this. We knew leaving service that day that no matter what was going to happen with my dad and with my family, that like we were going to be okay. And that all four of us, we knew the Lord. And that's just the greatest gift that any of us could ever ask for. And that we were going to seek the Lord through this, which since all of our confidence was in the Lord and all four of us were just so confident in seeking the Lord, we knew, yeah, that it was going to be okay. And the Lord would carry us through it. So um, my dad has known the Lord my whole life. He's been a Christian. He's always been the first to wake up Sunday mornings when we were dragging our feet with his suit on, ready to go to church. Um, He never failed to pray before a meal. Um, He knew God, but the Lord encountered him. Jesus and the Holy Spirit encountered him in ways that I never thought I would see in those those next two years of his life, the last two years of his life. His demeanor changed. His life changed, the way that he spoke changed, Mm -hmm. the words he used changed. And you know, it's hard to put my finger on it because he always knew the Lord. Like he was saved a while ago. He had a relationship with God. So it's hard to be like, oh, he was saved then. Cause he wasn't like he was saved before. But I think that was the time in his life where he was fully dependent on God. He was hungry for the Lord um, in a way that I'd never seen him hungry. And he was so dependent on God that you Mm -hmm. could just see the fruit of it in his life. He was so quick to testify the Lord's goodness. He would look at anybody in the eye and they would ask him about his sickness, how he's doing his trials, whatever. And he would just be like, he would say some some little update on whatever hospital's treatment or chemo he was doing. And he'd be like, but God, but God's healing me, but God is good. And whether I'm healed in my body on this earth, like the Lord has healed me and he's healed my heart. And I know where I'm going, whether I live or I don't live, which I still get chills talking about it yeah, because- come on, man. Like that's that's pure joy. Yeah. Like knowing that you're facing death, like you're looking death in the eyes and just still being able to testify the goodness of the Lord mm-hmm. and knowing that your hope isn't in this world, it's not in this life, it's in eternity with like your creator and your father. And um, yeah. yeah, it was just the biggest blessing to see the Lord redeem something as terrible as cancer, something as terrible as sickness. He turned it and he flipped it on his head, on its head with the enemy meant for evil. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. used it for the goodness and the furthering of his kingdom. Yeah, man. Man, you're right. No, it's just yeah, the Lord's just so good in those ways. That like even in the face of such such darkness, it's like that that peace is still what you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like 
the horse is so much that so much better you know and Mm -hmm. when you're daunted by like how bad situations are how broken the world is Mm -hmm. it's just nothing compared to like the glory that the lord gives you yeah Uh, and he can do it whenever i mean for your dad that's crazy but also for you grace like as a daughter of a father going through that just to think that like god was still meeting you and Mm -hmm. like if you were to you know, you're the same way. Like if you were to talk to you, it would be about God healing you and about, about your relationship with Jesus. And, the, you know, the, that was still the bet, you know, the, the foremost thought is that, that Jesus uh, has everything under control and mm-hmm. that he loves me and that he loves my dad. And yeah, you just can't find that anywhere else, folks. You just can't find that <laughs> yeah. anywhere else. Um, okay. So we want to segue from that into something that was very important for you uh, in your walk was our spring break trip to Tijuana in 2019. This was actually, I think, pretty sure where I met you, Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first year in Tijuana. That was your first year in Tijuana. Yep. Um, and I remember, I remember this trip, especially you. I think you were like the main character almost a lot <laughs> for that trip because you were what, what if a lot of people knew is like oh man god's really working in grace this week like grace is experiencing the lord in new ways like this is awesome and we were all just so happy and so encouraged by what was going on in your life but yeah walk us through that trip what why, why was it important to you what did the lord teach you uh yeah go ahead tell us about tijuana yeah so um tijuana my freshman year i had been on a few mission trips especially just to Tanzania with my family and with my church back home but they were more service-based trips so I'd never been on a trip um like this where we were not just serving people in terms of you know painting houses and playing with kids and that kind of thing but we were just like spreading the gospel and at the same time we were being filled up ourselves so it was also the first time in my life where it was like multiple days in the in the row of spending like three hours in the morning with God. I'd never done that before. And so I went in like not really knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. um, but also kind of knowing that I was holding on to a lot still. I was believing a lot of lies and there were certain ones that I could identify at the time and be like, yeah, that's probably not true. But there were a lot of lies that I didn't even notice that I was believing at the time. Yeah. So one of the nights that we were there, one of the mornings or something, they had breakout sessions and one of them was about um, tending your heart, um, which really, is pretty much a practice of asking the Lord what lies you're believing and who do you have to forgive for believing that lies and replacing it with truth. And yeah, just reframing your mind and tending your heart so that you're believing the truth of the Lord and who you are and who the Lord is, is in line with the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I heard that and I was like, oh wow, like, yeah, there's a lot of lies that I'm believing. I felt a lot of like tension because I felt, I think a lot of like condemnation from the enemy like towards that. Mm-hmm and just was like not able to discern conviction versus condemnation and um, wanted to be convicted by the Lord, but also knew that like the heaviness that was coming with this was not from the Lord. So I talked to a few of the older people on the trip that night about it and was just trying to process through like what I was doing, what I should be doing, like what I was believing. And someone told me like, just make a t-shirt, make a t-shirt of like the lies that you believe on one side and the truth that replaces it on the other side. Mm -hmm. Because the lady who did the tending your heart thing, she mentioned that 
whenever you like renounce a lie and repent of a lie, like you need to replace it with a truth. You need to put True. something yep. back in there mm -hmm. um, so you don't leave an empty space for the enemy to come in and attack again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did that and I filled multiple pages of t-shirts <laughs> with lies I was believing and I was like, as I was writing, I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that was in there. Oh, that's a new <laughs> one. Um, and just trying to like find scripture for the other side of it yeah. to replace it. Um, so yeah, there was just an incredible like lightness, like a weight was lifted off my shoulders mm -hmm. after I realized that I was holding on to a lot of stuff that wasn't true. And after I saw the truth that came with it. Mm -hmm. And also after I had people praying for me, um, a few people prayed for me, just that it wouldn't be my own burden to do this on my own, that it wouldn't be on me to be like, I didn't need to be like, Grace, you need to stop believing this. Like you need to get this out of your mind. But it was like, Lord, like walk with me and let me hold your hand as you do this in me and in my heart and in my mind. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, once I realized that it wasn't on me to have it all figured out, that's when like the lightness came mm -hmm. from holding on to the truth and declaring the truth. And that was another big thing on that trip for me was declaring the truth even when I didn't believe them and um, right. mm -hmm. saying them out loud until they became true in my yeah. heart. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was a lot of other things that went on in Tijuana in my heart in terms of just um, people giving me encouraging words that I still hold on to to this day mm. and just encountering the Lord that much for the first time. Mm. That was also the trip that I found out that my dad was cancer free for the first time. So there was a lot of joy mm -hmm. that came in that moment. Mm -hmm. And really this trip just laid a foundation in my life where I knew that like the Lord was my strength mm -hmm. and whatever else was going to be thrown at me that I could tackle it with the Lord because I had seen him that year in particular. I'd seen him as my redeemer. I'd seen him redeem everything bad that had happened in my life. And I'd seen him like turn around for the good. And mm -hmm. at that point I was still struggling with really feeling like I had like my close and best friends. I was struggling with community to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And that was when I first felt confident that like, you know what, even if I don't feel like I have my one or two best friends, like I have the Lord as my best friend yeah. and he's there for me and he wants to talk with me. He wants to spend time with me. He wants to walk to class with me and just have a conversation. Yeah. And um, so he's never gonna be too busy for me. He's never gonna have somebody else he's putting first. So mm -hmm. yeah, Tijuana did a good work in my heart and yeah. reframed the way that I saw the Lord yeah. in myself. Man, yeah, that's so, that's so good. And there's, <laughs> You know, like when you're out doing, when you're out on a trip like that, it's easy. It's not easy, but it, the Lord is just so present and you're like, yeah, this week it's so easy to just walk with the Lord. But I love just that you've like, haven't stopped treating Jesus as like your best friend. Mm -hmm. You know, he, even walking through the streets of Tijuana with Jesus, you're still doing that from class to class in Fort Worth at Texas Christian University. You know, it's so yeah. cool that uh, he just sticks with us and he doesn't doesn't leave our side. I love the tending your heart piece, the replacing truth with lies. I remember when they talked about that in TJ and I'm a sophomore guy, I thought I was all tough and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like oh, this is so, this is so dumb. This hyper, <laughs> hyper spiritual, whatever. No, come on, let's go, let's go evangelize. Let's go do something. <laughs> cool go save some people <laughs> exactly we got work to do people what are we doing around here and and then i remember i remember like trying it and the last year i've like been really going through more of it and it's just like you're just weeping on like your bedroom floor on like yeah. a normal wednesday and like, dang it you're like oh i did oh, not mean for that one day. <laughs> but here uh, we are <laughs> but there's so many lies yeah you're right like so many lies you can just you don't even know you're believing about yourself, about God, about other people. Yeah. And and like God wants to 
he's so plain about it sometimes where he's like no that's not who i am that's mm-hmm. not who you are yeah um, and that's where you start and i love that that's such a, a a building block for you is like listening to the lord and letting letting him replace the lies of this world with like those kingdom truths that are that never go anywhere right. um, but you talk about uh, community that was one of those prayers you had your mm-hmm. senior year of high school right where you're like when i'm going to college i want to be able to have these close friends i can do life with and you talked about those older people pouring into you uh when you come to antioch and then tuana meeting more people and meeting jesus of course as your truest close friend but then god blessed you right with this with more community and more um, yeah. more people to do life with tell us how that's impacted you you uh how god's answered that prayer in your life what has community meant for you in treasuring jesus yeah so like you said the third final third of the um prayers i prayed in high school was that i would find good friends and community to run with and um that prayer was answered in part my freshman year in terms of getting plugged into antioch and like feeling a part of the community to a certain extent here i had a lot of older girls pouring into me and like knew a lot of people but still just was like oh I don't have like good friends I don't have good close friends who are my age Mm -hmm. who um aren't just pouring into me but we're pouring into each other that we're um doing this together and I really didn't meet my closest friends until the beginning of my sophomore year I think I had met them all briefly Mm -hmm. um at the end of my freshman year but at the beginning of my sophomore year I did uh leaders in training here at the church Mm -hmm. Lit, as it's known? Lit, Lit. yes, indeed. It was a lit time. (laughs) Um, And that's just, for sophomores, was a leadership training situation, I guess. (laughs) Um, Went through a book and just learned about spiritual disciplines. So, yeah, I met them there. And I think something I learned in that time and something I've continued to learn is just that the Lord, he answered my prayer in that time, but it also took me putting myself out there. And it also took me making myself uncomfortable i couldn't just sit at home alone and expect (laughs) for the lord to just bring me friends to my door who were gonna love me and be there for me all the time like i had to make myself uncomfortable and i'm Mm -hmm. naturally really introverted i um am not one to just walk up to somebody i don't know and start talking to them so Mm -hmm. that was a very uncomfortable time for me because i finally got to like the end of my rope where i was like okay i need to I need community and i need to put myself out there in a way that's gonna build these friendships for me so that's what I did. I I did lit. I started asking people to hang out. I said yes every single time somebody hung out with me or somebody wanted to hang out with me, mm-hmm. um, even if I didn't want to, even if I was too tired or felt like I should or could be doing something else. I just said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, out of that discomfort, cultivated a vulnerability with these people that I was surrounded with. And I met my closest friends because it also turns out that there were a few other girls who were seeking the same thing and who were seeking deep friendships like I was. And we started hanging out with each other a lot, like almost every single day, doing everything together. And um, not only were they seeking other friendships like I was, they were also seeking the Lord like I was. And it wasn't just in thought and thought and word, but it was also in deed. It was also in what they were doing. It was in how they were living their lives. And it was so evident in every single thing they did. And I was like, wow, these are my people. These are the mm-hmm. people that I want to pour into and want to be poured into by. And these are the people I want to live my life with for the rest of my life. So, man, and that's how you do it. If I were Ben Moss and I was doing three practicals <laughs> about how to make friends in uh, in college, that would be how. Dude, just say yes. Just say yes when people yeah. want to hang out. So you talk about how they were pushing you to run with Jesus more, pulling you alongside 
dragging you alongside. Yeah. Uh, how, uh, how'd they do that? What does that look like for you as a sophomore, junior in college? I think at the simplest form, the fact that they wanted the same things I wanted and they wanted to live the way I wanted made me want it even more. It was really encouraging to me to be like, oh, you're not the only one. You're not the only sophomore girl at TCU who wants to live for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't feel alone in that, which was so encouraging. And um, they also just made life fun. Like they made following Jesus really fun. Like it had been like I said, I like I knew the joy of the Lord and I knew joy, but also it had been a hard year of tough stuff of my dad being sick and of being lonely and of hard classes and just dealing with life. It had been hard and mm-hmm. it was just so refreshing to find people that I could have fun with while also following Jesus. Huge. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is what I want. Like I want friends who value fun who value joy and they value jesus and they also are just like there for me whenever i need them and by whenever i mean like at 11 o'clock at night when i am just distraught because Mm -hmm. i don't know what's happening in my life i've called them at 11 o'clock at night and they come to my door and they're there for me and um at my dad's service at his funeral this past summer like they flew down in the middle of pandemic to be there for me and i think that's really as simple as as it is, is being there for me and understanding as much as they can, the complexities of my personality of when I want them to just be there to listen and when I want them to be there to um, offer advice right. or to pray or whatever. Like they know me and I feel so known by them. And it is really just also giving me a picture of like the Lord. And that's how it's one of the ways to push me to the Lord is like, I didn't know I could be known by people this much besides mm-hmm. like my closest family. And I was like, wow, like if they know me this much, how much more does the Lord know me and how much more can he meet me? And if they're willing to drop anything at 11 o'clock at night to be here with me, then like the Lord is more than willing to drop everything Mm -hmm. at any time to be there with me. So I think that they really just showed me a picture and continue to show me a picture of what it looks like to live a biblical life. And um, in a lot of ways, show me what Jesus looks like and how he lives his life. So yeah, they're awesome. I love them. Mm -hmm. Shout out lit team. What? twenty. 19. 19. Yeah. 2019 lit. Oh yeah. Man, I love that. And yeah, it's the community is so important. So then shifting gears again to just this next chapter of your life, uh, time came where you ended up having to get a second surgery on your knee, Mm -hmm. um, which I know instead of hindering your relationship with God, making you frustrated or, you know, angry with him, I know it actually produced some really great and important fruit in you. Tell us how, how God just uh, used that situation to, to develop you. What did that look like? Yeah, and although it did produce a lot of great fruit that I'm grateful for, it was also a very frustrating time, and it was a hard time. And I first tore my ACL, like I mentioned, in high school, which was tough because it ended my volleyball career, which was my life at the time, my identity at the time. Yeah. Um, this time tore my ACL meniscus and MCL playing intramural basketball with my lit friends so (laughs) that was great warming up for the first scrimmage of the game or of the season yeah Yeah. um yikes (laughs) so um that was just kind of tough at first because I was like oh yeah that's I don't want to have another knee surgery I don't really want to be in pain I don't want to have to walk a mile to class in crutches um but here we are we're doing it um went to (laughs) Tijuana that year with crutches but yeah and I, I had a pretty good outlook on everything until I had my actual surgery and we weren't sure that I tore my meniscus until the actual surgery which 
added some complications, made it so that I couldn't, I wasn't weight bearing for a month after the surgery and just made it the situation overall more painful than it would have been if it was just my ACL. So the weeks following that surgery were weeks that really formed and changed the rest of my life and my walk with God. The Lord really curated a passion and desire in me and a respect and admiration for him that I didn't have before. And it came out of a place of frustration and anger at first. I was angry at God because I didn't know why this was happening. He had redeemed everything else in my life, but I was like, there's no way you're redeeming this. Like, this is irredeemable. There's no good that's going to come out of this. This is all bad, no good. And at the same time that I was in pain and that my knee was hurting and I couldn't walk, um, my dad was in a lot of pain. He was at a trial at Duke at the time. And um, the side effects were becoming more serious than they had ever been. And watching him be in pain while also experiencing the worst pain in my life was one of the toughest things I've ever been through. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of, I was mad at God and um, mad at myself for being mad at God at the same time. I yeah. knew deep down that I had no right to be mad at God, mm-hmm. that um, I had no right to question who he was, but I was frustrated because I was still questioning. Mm-hmm. I really took that time to dive into scripture, to dive into um, the character of God in ways that I had never before, that I never felt the need to before, to seek answers and also to seek him in prayer. I spent most of those mornings and nights just like crying myself to sleep and crying out to the Lord of just like, please just take this pain away from me and take this suffering away from me. Like, why the heck am I, why is this happening to me? And um, yeah, it was in that time that I, began to just burn for time with the Lord. That's when I like really knew that the only thing that was ever going to satisfy was time with God. I would go to sleep for maybe four hours. That's all I could sleep for. I'd wake up and I was like, I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't think of anything until I got in the presence of the Lord, until I read the scriptures, until I cried out to God, Mm -hmm. until I um, knew he was there with me. And then that brought me any little bit of peace that I could have at the time that God was still there with me. So through that and through all the reading of scripture I did and the praying I did, I I think I found a lot of answers in um, the character of God and some of the questions I was having, but I also didn't find all of the answers at all. I mean, I, part of what I was doing was coming to terms with and finding peace in the fact that I was never going to have all the answers that I was never going to know everything that I wanted to know. And that there there was beauty in that. And, um, there was goodness in not, not knowing everything, um, that God knew and not knowing of his plan. Yeah. So after really using that time to cultivate like a passion for Jesus and spending time with him and, um, also just like a passion for reading the word and for being broken in front of God, I, like I said, found a lot of peace and still was just not firm in how the Lord was going to redeem it. I just couldn't see him redeeming it, Yeah, but he did. Um, a few months later is when my dad passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. And the peace that I felt at that time was something that I knew was only from the Lord and none of it was from me. It was something that I never experienced before in my life. And um, I knew within those days as I reflected that that peace, the Lord was able to cultivate that peace in my heart and my mind because of all the wrestling with him I had done a few months previous prior to that. I had wrestled with God, I had been mad at God, I'd kind of gotten that out of my system, if you will, before that. So then when the time came when 
um, the rubber hit the road and it was like, I have no choice but to really believe in the truth of the Lord and the promises of the Bible and of scripture and of God. Like I had no choice to believe them and I did because of that wrestling I had done with God. Um, so again, like a pattern in my life, I ended up being thankful for a time that I thought was just the worst time of my life that I was able to look back and be like, yeah, the Lord used that. The Lord redeemed that. And the Lord is good because of it. And and not because of it. Not only because of what he does and what he redeems, because of who he is. Like, he is good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably the most recent extreme time where the Lord really just became my treasure and my foundation because of what he taught me. And because, again, of how uncircumstantial his peace and joy and hope were in my life and continue to be. Yeah. And that's the word. Uncircumstantial. Like, it Mm -hmm. surpasses whatever circumstance you're in whatever situation yeah and it's like you said it before like like even declaring his goodness even when you don't feel it but just saying those truths until you believe it because that's like the that's the one doubt the enemy wants you to believe mm-hmm. or, or to to take in to your thinking is that uh god's not good or like sometimes he's mostly good yeah but sometimes like he has to do bad things mm-hmm. which is it's not true yeah it's, it's only good only good things that that the lord does there's mm-hmm. never he doesn't take a break from from being good right? yeah and, that's good and it's not always like visible to us you know like you're saying times where you get frustrated but again it's the it's the peace and the joy that is so evident in your life and uh that surrounds and is this this covering over all the tough circumstances that even makes that even makes that peace so much sweeter and that joy so much sweeter yeah in the midst of those times grace thank you yeah uh, thank you just for pouring all that out on us i know you're probably exhausted from all <laughs> that does. Um, but it's so it's so important and just such a good an example for for all these students of what god how God works, uh, especially mm-hmm. in college and through the hard times and how he answers prayer, uh, how he, how his truth is so much better than anything else we can believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you uh, for leading so well in the college ministry and uh, just being such a, a dear member of the family. We'll have to get you back on the, on the mic very soon. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're a natural. Um, thank you. <laughs> So to all you guys listening, any, if this stirs anything up in you, uh, any questions or anything, just let us know. We, we are here to um, just bless you guys, answer, answer the questions you have. Uh, we're excited to bring you guys some more of these stories from students, uh, some more different looking content that we think will really, really bless you guys this semester. And we'll be bringing that to you next week. But for now, uh, thank you guys for listening to the AFW College podcast. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one.